In this episode of Revenue Harvest, I sit down with Kiara Neen. So typically when I have a guest on, I, I know them or I'm fascinated by a piece of work that they've produced or something that they've done in the marketplace. This is quite a different situation. Uh, earlier in the year, I posted something on LinkedIn and the intent of that post was genuine, but it got completely misinterpreted and it was all on me. And Kiara, instead of blasting me in public, sent me a very thoughtful direct message about all the things that she felt were wrong with the post. So I decided that the best way for me to make amends uh, and make some reconciliation would be to just have her on the show and talk about uh, all the ways that I got it wrong from uh, women and gender to misunderstanding moms in the workplace. And again, the the intent is that I am a huge advocate for, for women and moms in the workplace. And in fact, some of my top performers have been females. But the perception was misinterpreted. And so uh, what you're going to hear from Kiara is someone who truly understands empathetic leadership. She's a top producer in her own right. She works for uh, one of the leading uh, teleconference companies uh, that's out in the marketplace. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, Kiara Nee. Kiara, welcome to Revenue Harvest. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Nigel. It's good to, to be with you. So I will start with, uh, this is probably the most um, bizarre uh, way in which uh, I've interacted with a, a podcast guest. Most everyone else, I've been very, like I've, I've sought them for something that I wanted to talk about, but uh, that, that didn't happen in this case. Uh, in, in fact, this this conversation came from a lapse in judgment, a lapse in empathy on my end uh, at the end of, I guess it was the end of last year, beginning of this year, I, I posted something on LinkedIn and it, it's a classic example of how uh, intentions and perception can be vastly very different, particularly in a digital world. And then add on top of that, everything that's going on in the cultural landscape, the yeah. political landscape. And so the essence of the post was to be that, hey, leaders, you have this responsibility to recognize that the person that, you, that comes into work that might be struggling to perform their job is a human. And part of the reason that they may be struggling could just be that there are circumstances outside of their life that we all bring into work. And so our job is to meet people where they are. And then like a total idiot, uh, I misused pronouns and chose a female. And so um, a mom, a mom, a, mom, a female, <laughs> a mom. Yeah. Thank you. And so, um, and then, so it, it sparked, um, uh, quite a response add on to the lapse in judgment. I didn't receive it. Well, at first I felt like, how can, how, how is it that this is being misinterpreted? And it took me almost 24 hours to process it and say, the only person that's wrong is you. 
And then, and so if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the post, I'm going to link it so that you can go back and, and take a look at um, my ignorance. And um, Kiara was just a great example of like what, le- how to lead. So instead of blasting me for my ignorance and misogynistic uh, approach to uh, what was intended to be an innocent post about leadership, she could have just blasted me. And there were people that did. She sent me a very thoughtful, direct message. She took the conversation offline and said, Nigel, maybe you should consider these things. And so that's, that's how we met. And I think it's a, it's a great place uh, to, because what, what it, what it set into motion for me was this recognition that there, there needs to be some change. And, and before we even came on, we were talking about, you know, you've been married and maybe not so recently, but still haven't gotten around to changing your name. Nope. And that's because only, <laughs> only women change their name in the workplace. Only women have to hide that they're a mom. A and they have all this. Yeah. And so this conversation, if you're listening, is going to be about uh, really trying to, in my mind, leveling the playing field. Uh, and I don't even think leveling the playing field is the right word. It, it's um, it's just a conversation about really what it's like to be a mom and, and, and what it is like to sell. And, and my experience has been, for what it's worth, uh, I've led sales teams, large and small, for over 10 years. And if, if I think back, if I were to just put, like list out, Chairman's Club, rep of the year, rep of the quarter. Just looking at the just looking at the raw data, not interpreting it. Most of them are women. Doesn't surprise me. I would say most of the badasses that I know and have worked with from honestly sales, customer success, solutions engineers, I mean, really the whole gamut of sales and sales support, women. Um, a lot of them moms, um, because I just feel like so many of them know how to get it done have excellent follow-up and follow-through. I don't have to babysit and say, hey, can you get back to me on that thing? Like, it just comes naturally. Um, Not that any other gender can't do that, but I see that so frequently and consistently from some of these people that um, that's why it struck a chord for me when I saw your post, because I was like, I know you didn't mean it this way. I'm reading it. I understand the empathy piece that you wanted to get across so deeply. And the reason it struck a chord with so many people who were being kind of difficult on LinkedIn and blasting rather than being constructive was because we have been marginalized and underestimated for so long that even though it was like a random pick, right? And you were actually trying to empathize more and say, these people have so much going on, like cut them some slack, right? The overarching thought, I think, for a lot of the moms that I talked to and myself, why I chose to respond was kind of like, okay, we could pick anybody out of the box. Why are we picking moms, right? And also like, why pick anybody? Maybe just say like people. Um, So that was one thing. But I think just in general, the thought process that, you know, maybe there's a more empathetic way to think about women in the workplace, mothers in the workplace, and anybody who feels marginalized in the workplace. And just thinking of how connotations and certain anecdotes or case studies or whatever it is that we're choosing is going to play out for those people in those groups. And that's really the crux of it on my side. Yeah. And, you know, there's been, in fact, uh, the first guest on season three of this podcast was Andy Paul. And we're talking about empathy and, and like humanizing the selling experience. 
how, how do you think leaders, you know, regardless of their gender or where, where they are, like, how do you, you've seen empathy modeled in you, with your leadership and wh where do you think we can get better as leaders leading salespeople and, and leading with empathy? Well, I think, you know, one thing that's really struck a chord with me while I've kind of just been reading, you know, and, and learning over the last few years in my career is valuing caretaking and compassion and connection versus like dominance and versus power and versus quote unquote success, right? Because those are measured very differently for different people. Um, and typically, if you're going to go at things from a caretaking and compassion standpoint, you're going to have really positive reception. Whenever there's a dominance, you know, or a power struggle, it's not received as warmly, right? And there's less loyalty that then tends to follow through with that. So to me, what tends to make a lot of sense is kind of maybe opening up the circles of what kinds of reading, what kinds of stories we're passing down and passing on within leadership. Um, and not even leadership per se, but just in circles in general in our culture and within work culture too, right? Like, what are we measuring each other based off of? Um, and how, how do we want to be perceived, right? Like, those things really matter. And connection is really what matters so much in sales, right? We do it all the time with clients. If we don't make that connection, we don't get the trust, we probably don't get the deal. Um, so I kind of am mystified that sometimes leadership in, you know, especially in sales, wouldn't treat their team that same way, right? Like your team, you want them to be like loyal to you. You want them to want to follow you and um, to feel um, positive, warm thoughts about you. Uh, so everything should be in my eyes coming from a place of warmth versus a place of dominance and a place of connection versus a place of power. Um, yeah. And you talk about connection being so important in the cell. I mean, there, there's so much uh, around that and also some other characteristics. Like, so we, we know that dominance doesn't really work in, in the buying atmosphere. So it can't, it can't. And what I mean by dominance is like this, do this by this time. And a lot of this like pressure, real rigor, yeah. rigor, just the rigor and pressure versus, uh, like, like you started the conversation, moms, like they know how to get so much done. Like I think about my wife and all the things that she manages in the house. I don't need to tell her how to do something. She, I don't need to tell her that things are important. I don't need to tell her a few times, like, did it get done? Like it just gets yeah. done. Yet yeah. there are so many leaders that feel like we have to be dominant in that way. And so mm -hmm. I'm wondering uh, from you, like, what are some, what are some things that you do, particularly uh, since since you're in, in leadership, you're you're working with with sellers. Not in Mul leadership, actually, at all. <laughs> well, you're not in. Um, let me let me be very. But I am let me, a salesperson. Well, so leadership is not about title. Okay, fair. It's enough. about a mindset. Okay, and so I, I see you as. I mean, you you sell uh, you sell for a brand that everyone would know uh, everybody uses this tool. So you, you are a leader from that perspective. You're a top performer in your team. H how can, how can we create more space? Like talk to the leaders, G give us some examples, like specifically for moms. Okay. Um, 
so I mean, for me and my colleagues that I spoke to before coming on here, just saying like, hey, I don't want this to just be about my perspective. Let's talk about our perspective and how we all kind of do this, what the common threads are. Listing, right? Like crazy. I don't know about your wife, but I have lists like in every room for different topics, like <laughs> going on at all times. And those lists get changed and edited probably two to three times a day. Um, on paper and maybe shifted in my head a thousand times a day. So being able to be flexible and nimble to reprioritize and re-gauge like what I need to calibrate as like plan A, plan B, plan C, priority one, two, and three, right? All these things kind of having plans, um, you know, ready to go at any moment, which is like preparedness, right? Like I feel like kind of everybody has that going to a point, but moms, we have that down because I don't know how many moms can say, oh, yeah, well, I get out of my house and I have to take my kid to school and they just get in the car seat willingly. We go. It's wonderful. It's exactly what I thought it was going to be. No. So we have plans. We got snacks. We got all these things, right? We have ways to like dangle the carrot a little bit and get through. Um, creating as much efficiency as possible. So like when I wake up in the morning, I start looking at my email um, while I'm packing lunch for my kid and I'm like deleting emails where I'm like, okay, this doesn't matter. This doesn't apply to me or like someone else already responded. Um, and then I'm going through and like, okay, quick responses, handle those now, right? And then the deeper responses, the things I really need to get nitty gritty into, research more, write a thought, thoughtful email, things like that. I'll save that for later when I have the time and bandwidth, right? I'm sure a lot of people do that, but just little things of trying to make sure that like I'm packing as much into my time as possible um, and trying to take it step by step because frankly, especially as a mom, like life gets really overwhelming at times where you're like, oh my God, I have so many things to do today. I have to schedule all these doctor's appointments. I still got to do all my clients um, work and make sure that I'm getting my demos in. And then I have all my KPI type stuff I got to do, right? All my outreach, all my forecasting, all that stuff, right? So any salesperson can get really overwhelmed really quickly. So, you know, taking it a step at a time, doing one thing at a time and, and not getting too overwhelmed by the big picture. Um, and lists really help me do that. So. so tell me like, let's just go back and, and maybe take a few steps back actually. What time do you start your day? Like walk me through what, what's a day in the life? Mm. <laughs> really want to know. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what's a day um, in the life. It's, you know, usually waking up around six ish, which, um, you know, if it were up to me, I would be up at like maybe 6.30 or 7. But after having a child and him waking me up at that time, it's now ingrained at me. So I will wake up at that time no matter what while I'm on vacation or not. Um, looking at him, I start my day always looking at him sleeping because there is no more angelic and peaceful thing to look at than your child sleeping before they become an all-out crazy person. <laughs> um, so I do that. It kind of helps me recalibrate my gratitude my reason for working, my reason for everything. Um, and then I start looking at my emails and looking at my chat and just figuring out what's going on in my workplace. What's like going what time on of day clients. are you doing that? Yeah. What time are That's, you looking? What time do you open up, up the first? Like probably 635. <laughs> it's not necessarily the best habit to have. Um, definitely something I am working on for this year personal boundaries for me is something I have to do. Um, but I would say that's probably also a common trait of moms, personal boundaries. We're not good at them. Um, and, and is it like, do you start at 630 because 
is it because you feel like you have to, like, are you leaving later in the day and maybe you're going to get to this? Like, do you leave early to go no, pick up? Like, tell me a little bit about why, why 6.30? I just like, as soon as I get going, I'm like, I just want to knock this stuff out. I don't want to have things lingering over my head. I don't want to feel like I'm playing catch up. I really, really value immediate responses um, for myself and for others. Like when someone gives me an immediate response, it's like, okay, cool. Like we're gonna, we're gonna get along well, you're caring, you want me to be involved and invested in this. Um, so part of it is just um, idiosyncrasy for me, like literally probably OCD. I've never been diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure it's there. Um, so, so a piece of that, and then just feeling like respect, right? Like I want to respect other people's time and I want to respect myself like I want to not feel overwhelmed and the easiest way for me to do that is to not have an inbox where I'm like whoa I don't even know what's going on in here where do I start like if I can just start first thing in the day and really take it as it comes rather than having a whole pile later on that's going to be better mental health for me so I, I imagine um you in, in your family dynamic if there's something like if the kid gets sick or like they're calling mom right so you oh, you're the one sure. yeah for and sure. then so like how, how <laughs> do you have husband, to but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean look i'm a i'm a very active yeah, dad you, but they don't, they're not calling me yeah, like they're calling yeah. they're calling my wife so yeah. how is it like what happens in your headspace you're prepping for a demo or you're getting ready to, to go go over proposal and then kids sick Oh yeah, this happened. Um, or my favorite one was earlier this year when I was up for a promotion in the middle of my interview and um, the fire department came to my door because there was a natural fire nearby. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, hold on. I think I have to take this because it's actually the fire department. <laughs> um, you just have to pivot. You just have to be willing to be honest. And that's the best thing. You know, I've been in the middle of a demo when my son was homesick went into my cupboard, pulled out the flour. He was three at the time and fully just dumped it over his head in the kitchen, the whole thing. And I was like, looked at him, was like, cool, we'll deal with that later. Kept with the demo. And then we just kept talking and I was like laughing with the woman who was involved. And I was like, so my son just dumped out an entire thing of flour. Let's do this. And she was just dying. I mean, the more um, honest you can be with people and upfront and create that connection and that vulnerability the better they're going to trust you. The more human you are, the more human they can be. And now you well, have and, that connection. And now you and have the possibility of a sale on something dumb that happened, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. And then and then there's like, I, I'll just call it out. I mean, there are a lot of men, some mostly older men that, that may be hearing this and, and like, they're like, that would happen. Like, I don't know how I would, they're thinking, I don't know how I would react if in the middle of an interview, uh, and the, the the misperception would be that they're not taking it seriously or why didn't this candidate arrange for a non-distraction environment for an hour? And I, I think we just like, we don't live yeah. in that world anymore. No. Like that, and, and so we and leaders I'm so are, grateful for it. So grateful for it. Not for me, but for all of us, like not to interrupt you, but like I've had so many folks in, for example, IT who won't turn their camera on when we're, you know, meeting or discussing something. And I'll say, hey, do you want to meet? I would love to see you today. And they'll be like, no, you don't want to see me. I'm, I'm a troll, whatever. And I'm like, I do want to see you. I want to see you. I want to talk to you. It's going to help me remember. It's going to help us, like, you know, just know each other. And once they turn it on, the connection that we make, because we just said, hey, we're human. I don't care if your, your, your hair is messy today or whatever. 
Now we have a connection. Now I've said, it's okay for you to be human. I don't need you to be buttoned up and perfect and vice versa. And um, I think you're right. I think a lot of sales leaders and maybe more of an old school thought would be that is not appropriate, right? But that is just, it's, it's opened up the door for people to have true connection and I love it. Yeah. And then, so then like, what time do you end your day? Like your five. work day. Okay. So then at five o'clock. Okay. And then, you know, I've worked in cultures where, okay, look, maybe, maybe there's a break for the dads between like five and seven, but like, Hey, mom's going to take care of bath time and book time. Like she, she's got all that. So I can get back into Slack and email and I'm back mm-hmm. at it and like I'm accessible. Yeah. And then there's this culture of like, well, if you're not accessible, like it, whether, whether it's like implied and expected that you're accessible. I imagine for a lot of moms, but because they're, they've shifted into mom mode, whether, whether the culture is so direct that like you need to be accessible or not, I don't think a lot of cultures mean to be this way, but moms might be missing things out, missing out on what's going on because there, there are some people, maybe they don't have kids or that don't have those responsibilities in their family that are right back at it. And then where, where are all the moms? Totally. Totally. And not even just like the after hours stuff, but even just kind of the friendly invite to go play golf, right? Something super benign, super benign and just fun. My husband is an amazing golfer, a scratch golfer. He's tremendous, right? I've never learned. Okay. I played field hockey. I could maybe get down and and hit some things, but he's amazing. So in my career, I have had to before be like, here, I'm going to use my husband to dangle the bait and be like, you want to play golf with him? He's a scratch golfer. He's amazing. And build connections that way because I'm not invited to the table. I have to use my husband who's not involved in an organization to then be involved in the organization so I can kind of get my leg, my foot in the door. That's just a small microcosm of like cultural things. And it's not because I couldn't learn golf. I could. There's plenty of women who are amazing golfers, but it's just kind of that good old boys kind of mentality that is just one little thing that affects me. Something there, but there's a level playing field, happy hour. Totally. Well, okay. Well, can't. I'm a mom. That's I've got homework. We've got dinner. Got to make lunches. And I'm yeah. not going to drink two whiskeys at five thirty. Are you kidding me? I got other yeah. things to there's, do. I got soccer there's practice. There's lots of totally benign things like that that have nothing to do with a, a vendetta. It's just it just is like it's just difficult for us to show up for that thing. Um, so so yeah. yeah yeah. Despite all of these instances. Why is it that, it, at least in my experience, and it, and it seems like a shared experience for you, all, to put all the golf, all the happy hours aside, moms still just run circles around a lot of other sellers. Why is that? Uh, I think it's a few things. I think first and foremost, connection and empathy is key for us at all times. So we build deeper connections. So I can touch the same hundred accounts, you know, person B touched. But when I touched them, I touched them deeply, right? Like I really found out about them. I didn't just find out about their company. Who are you? You know, what do you do? What does it feel like to be you? I try to like find out a little bit about them, which most salespeople will do. But I think sometimes moms will do it in a different way and will be maybe more empathetic versus um, friendly, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not just trying to be your pal. I'm like, oh man, yeah, that's your workload. Jeez, you must be exhausted. Are you guys going to get some new hands and some help coming? Like, right. Like there's a little bit more of that empathy and connection play. And then I'll keep 
talking to them about those pieces. I'll keep digging deeper. I'll keep learning more about that. Whereas someone else might get uncomfortable and be like, well, that's inappropriate that they're telling me that like they're being worked to death right now. <laughs> like pivot, right? We don't, we don't get uncomfortable. We've done it all. We've seen it all. We've lost um, a lot of our humility even at points, right? Like childbirth, for example. Uh, I mean, or when your kid is like just losing their mind in the grocery store and everyone's staring at you. We have gotten over a lot of these uncomfortable things and we lean into them instead of leaning away from them. And when you lean into someone's uncomfortable moment, you create a trust. When you lean away, you just created a wedge. You made them feel embarrassed, uncomfortable, et cetera. What I'm hearing, like if I said it a different way and tell me if this is the same thing, is like moms don't take themselves as seriously. Yeah. yeah and not even just not taking ourselves seriously. We, are, we just realize we're all just human and we don't need to like pretend. Like that's like make-believe stuff, right? Like yeah. these personas people put on is make-believe. It's not who you are. And we would want to see who you are, right? And we would want to be seen for who we are. So if we can reciprocate that, we have true connection. We have an authentic connection. I, I'm, I'm beginning to see a, a, a very like perceivable and measurable shift away from what I would characterize as, uh, particularly in SaaS sales, like a very activity metrics driven org chart to a just do your job. As long as you're hitting your targets, you work for you and you don't work for me. Yeah. I, I, are, do moms just win in that world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, we do because we work smart because we understand efficiency. We have to stay organized in our day or we're going to sink and we're going to bring our family down with us. You know, we're going to miss the appointment for our kids vaccination and then daycare is going to be a mess. Like we have to stay on top of all of these things. We win because like I said, we make those connections so it can be a more um, efficient touch point with that contact. I don't necessarily have to make a million contacts. I just have to have quality contacts. Um, and I think the other piece of it too is, is really that we find relationships even internally to navigate to get what we need, right? Like we are good relationship builders. And lots of people are good relationship builders. Again, this is not just a female or a mom thing but we specialize in it. I mean, if teachers, a tough teacher for our kiddo, we will find a way to like befriend that teacher or befriend the principal. Like one of the two is happening. Like we will oh, find yeah. a way. You one know? of the things my wife does, and you're so right. Like, like, so this, the way this translates to sales is like maybe on paper, this person is a decision maker, you know, by title, but then there are all these other individuals in the organization that may not directly make the decision, but certainly have influence over. And moms, mm -hmm. and this is one of the things my wife does, no matter where we go, she's finding a babysitter. Like, it's, it's like, you know, if we're in Florida yes. on vacation, she's got a babysitter lined up, right? We, she's got like this Rolodex of 18 I need your wife's girl. Rolodex yeah. for sure. She just, she's going to, but that's like, you know, she's yeah. handling, she's just handling. Yeah. 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 There, so there's this book that I read really recently from another just, powerhouse woman that I that I just adore and she's a mentor and like one of my best friends but she recommended this book called Cassandra Speaks by Elizabeth Lesser and when I talk about leaders maybe needing to find more empathy and maybe needing to hear some other stories to tell and pass down this book should be like top of the list maybe right next to like Brene Brown and like talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell and David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell like those books to me are like 
the precipice of like understanding other perspectives. But this book is specifically about the stories um, and the voices of women and how if they were valued and always what was told, how different our culture, our society, our history would be and how necessary like right now at this time in our world it is to start valuing those things. Um, she, she took it to some really interesting places um, talking about like, I got to see what it's called. It's called the 48 laws of power. And she was reading some of these laws. Have you ever read that book? It was yeah. A by Robert Greene. It's a scary book. It's, it's scary. terrifying. It is. It's a bestseller and it's terrifying. Like one of them is number 17, keep others suspended in terror to cultivate an air of unpredictability. This is for leaders to, to read. Like this is what we're working with versus the thought process of, you know, what's going on for you? Like leaders asking like, what's up? It seems like something's different or just checking in frequently or saying, what can I take off your plate? You're normally crushing it. Clearly you need to just have some time off. How can I take some things off your plate and like help you get by? What can I do for you? It should be a servant mentality both ways. And it should be not such a hierarchy of like condescension and power and domination. It should be like, how do we work together for this common goal? And so like, I, I think the, the fact that the empathy and the connection and the nurturing that allows you to be such a better seller than some of your contemporaries all seem like really desirable traits for someone to step into sales leadership. Yet, I, I bet there are a lot of moms listening and saying, I can't, I can't get into leadership because of like the travel mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. all this other stuff that like, what are my kids going to do? Like my husband's not capable of handling all of this. What, what do you say to them? It's, it's really sad because it's not even just moms. It's um, a deeper conversation than that. It's, it's women, it's people of color. There's a lot of it. That's just, it, there's still these barriers that you wouldn't think today there are. But when you look at how many sales leaders there are that are female or that are people of color, but especially female people of color, hmm, it is not representative. And what's sad is the more you represent all of those people, the more your clients will feel seen too. You know, the more you're passing down some of these different lived experiences, some of these different ways of handling things, some of these different attitude, some of these different philosophies. Um, and so all of it is a real miss. And I think what I would tell them is to just keep trying um, and to delegate as much as they can in their family, which is the hard part. Like That is hard to delegate. And you're always going to have guilt um, that you're failing at one side or another, even if you're the top person, I guarantee you. Um, but I think we have to just keep pushing. And I think we have to stop quieting our voices which is what women are so famous for doing is being quieter and even when we're quieter we're loud we're bossy we're whatever we're the bitch right and that's yeah. us quieted and that's what scares me and makes me really sad yeah and so there's a really good novel called black buck have you read black buck i haven't i'm gonna have to and put that written, on the list it's written by mateo i'll butcher his last name but it's largely and loosely based on his experience so he's an african-american male he was working at a Starbucks in Brooklyn and he was making, he made the same coffee for this executive that came in every single day. After a couple of years, the executive said to him, Hey, you should come interview to, to work for me. And he's like, tell me about the job. He said, it's a, it's an SDR position. 
And so Mateo in the, in the fictional character that he's writing about shows up in the office to, for the interview and in the same lobby, cause that's what we do. We just have people sit around and, and they're all interviewing for the same position. Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, 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 it's comedy, right. And he's making fun of the current situation, but he asked one of the gentlemen, like, how did, how did you get this interview? And he's like, well, I'm a, I'm so-and-so and he's a college football player and he says his name and he's like a star quarterback. And of course everybody knows who he is. And then mm-hmm. there's a female in the room and like, well, my dad is buddies with him and they're in the country club. And so you can imagine little Mateo thinking like, Great. I work at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm black. How am I competing with this Ivy League football player and this girl who's in the country yeah. club, dad in the country club with this guy? But he ends up getting the job. And and so, I, but it's it's a funny example of like that's we, we don't we don't make space for th- those those types of people, and we, we have yeah. to. And it's yeah. anyway, it's where we are. We we have to we have to. And some of my best reps have come from the strangest walks of life. So, um, yeah. I mean, my path to getting into sales was strange. Like I started out as a dental hygienist. I thought I was going to go to med school, wussed out on doing that because of student loans, was about to do nurse practicing and got a random LinkedIn from a woman who I call my fairy godmother. But she um, she was like, you've got an academic background. You've done like marketing and things like that for big companies like Red Bull and um, Muscle Milk and stuff like that, like mobile marketing when I was in college, just like fun things would you like to do sales for dental since you've, you've been in dental for so long? And I was like, oh yeah, let's try this. Maybe this is my way back towards, you know, healthcare and medicine and away from kind of the dental small niche, right? And <clears throat> I was her number one out of the gate. No training, no whatever. And why was that? It was because I didn't have training, frankly, I think. Like it was because I was following my gut and listening to people and just trying to stay as educated as possible on my products and my competition. And I came from love of academia and love of like truly learning what I'm talking about. And I think that if we gave people a shot for who they were, what their background is versus what their resume says in terms of jobs they've held, we'd have a lot more top sellers because a lot of the people who are on my team and other teams came from strange places and they're the ones crushing it. Like we find our way. And um, those people who are going to push to be in that spot, really want it and they know how to find a way and navigate the people who just have the resume they didn't have to navigate much potentially they may have but like potentially they they just walk the walk and it's on their resume so they should be good so hearing the story i think is important i think asking not just waiting for the story to be told but really asking like what's your story tell me how you got here like hear that and then determine who you should hire. Not just like, look, well, I see these things here. You know, tell me why you want to be here. Like that matters too, but how did you get here? That matters most. That's so good. And I think that's a great place to, to wrap it is, is, is just as important piece of the competency is not why you're here, but be, meaning all the things that you've done, your pedigree, but how you got here. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I want to yeah. thank you from the, just the bottom of my being for the compassion that you extended to me and the way that you led and you were an example. Um, and I really appreciate um, the grace you gave me and, and my, my commitment to you and, and every other mom and, and, and woman and, and underrepresented person is that I think 
for us to see the change that we want, it's going to take, sadly, but it's going to take more of the men already in the room being a voice for yes. folks like you. And, and thank you so much for, um, for leading me. Yeah, no, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Um, this is exactly what it takes. It takes people just being open to conversations, hearing perspectives and being ready to just say, oh, I made a mistake or, oh, that's, you know, that wasn't what I intended. Teach me about, you know, another perspective. And that's what it's all about. So thank you for being the change, starting that and paying it forward. All right. Thank you so much. And um, we'll see you on LinkedIn. All right. See you there. Music from this episode is from my good buddy, Justin Adams. You can listen to Justin's music in Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you, Justin, for the music. And thank you for checking out another episode of The Revenue Harvest.